Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello, I'm David Temple and you're tuned into The Thriller Zone, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to the best thriller writers in the world today, as well as occasional up-and-coming writers whom you'll be hearing from in years to come. One such author is today's guest, a man you may not be familiar with yet. His name is J.B. Stevens. He's a veteran, a U.S. Marshal, and a writer of short stories. There's a lot to enjoy, and you don't want to miss a minute of it. So let's you and I get into the Thriller Zone. What's up, handsome? Hey, David, how are you? I'm excellent. Shooting at uh, vertical style, huh? Giving me the uh, giving me the Instagram look, huh? The, oh, look at is that is that that's tasty. Is, is that preferable? You know more about this than I do. Yeah, that's yeah, quite you're, you're the you're the pro. I looked up your bio. You're the pro of this. Well, I've I've been at this for a while, buddy. All right, I trust your judgment. Is this is this my best look right here? That is. Now, if you move your, this is great. If you move to your left, we'll have that thirty eight right at your head. It'll look like somebody's. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I just now learned that J B Stevens that J stands for John. And 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 my middle name is Bartholomew. So. It's not a, it's not, it's not a pen name. It's just, uh, it's just my initials. Yeah. Excellently done. Well, welcome to the Thriller Zone, JB, John, JB Stevens, extraordinaire. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I would pull up a, I would usually, this is usually where I, I hand, I hold up a book and go, Hey, look, we'll be, we'll be talking about a, a therapeutic, a death in a moment, but. Publication was delayed. It was. It, it, it stinks. It was supposed to be out on the 4th. I was looking to see if I could get a, co- a cover for you. Uh, it was supposed to be out on the 4th, but, you know, that 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 hasn't happened. Um, Shotgun Honey Books, uh, they're they're great people. But, yeah, some the publication got got behind, so I'm pulling up the cover. Uh, hopefully any day now it will be out. There, there, there it is. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up on the screen and make it super sexy, but I liked watching you. Uh, yeah, it's... Dude, that that looks like a movie poster, and this is a compliment, by the way. It looks like a movie poster is from probably the late seventies, early eighties. That was the goal, uh, uh, Excellent. like like Sean Connery era James Bond. Thank you. Okay, good. Now, uh, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's jump into it. I want to know where a therapeutic death came from. Now, I do notice having read a gaggle of them. I don't. I didn't read the entire compilation of short stories, but I got through a pretty good amount of them, and they're all having to do with death. So, where does a therapeutic death come from? So, uh, one of the stories, um, the the two main characters uh, committed a war, war crime together about a decade prior. Uh, and the war crime is never out outlined. It's just hinted at. It's kind of hinted around. Uh, one of the one of the characters moved moved past it, and he he started a, a landscaping business and and has a life. And the other character, um, he he didn't move past it. Uh, he, he's mentally stuck in the past. He ends up becoming an opiate addict. And uh, I don't want to give away the story. Right. Um. And I don't I don't want to give away the ending. But but at one point. Uh, the character who's done well has realized the the best thing he can do for his friend is to just kill him. 
Um, and it's not, it's, it's not even a murder. Uh, it's really just doing what's best for his friend is, is it, it's, it's like when you, you have a dog that you love, uh, like part of the family and, and you realize there's a time when you just have to put the dog down. You don't want to, but you do it because you have to, and it, it's the right thing to do. Um, and, and these two, these two friends, uh, come to that point, and, and that's that's where the title comes from. Why can't we do that to family members? And I'm that's going to sound like I'm being uh, flippant or cheeky, but uh, having seen family members, many of mine uh, suffer in uh, ill health, there comes a point where you just go, man, why can we go put our dogs down, but we can't help uh, assist? You know what I'm saying? assisted suicides the whole that's a whole podcast right there um i mean there's a lot of countries where you can but you you can't but the 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 suffering person can um whether or not that's that's right like i said that's a whole other podcast but i mean all right let me back up one quick second because i did want to listeners don't kill yourself yeah 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 let's not do that by the way i forgot to send you a valentine's day card so a happy belated valentine's day yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I told my wife you're going to be sending me one. She wasn't super cool with it. Uh, but you know, you're only like the third or fourth podcast uh, gentleman to send me a Valentine. So you know, it wouldn't be too awkward. Okay, good. This is what I wanted to what is a day and help me with this because I've never been there. I've had another a marshal on the show. But what's a day in the life of a US marshal like that? I, I, I'm fascinated by this. Did you have did you have Mark Cam, Mark Cameron on? No, he's hopefully on a future show. Oh, who'd you have on? It was uh, J. Todd Scott. Oh, he's a DEA agent. He's not a marshal. I apologize. I feel like a real ignoramus. But so, did you ever see the movie The Fugitive? Yes. The movie, the movie Con Air. Yes. Uh, oh. Did you ever see the movie Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes. So uh, you're you're those, them. Th- that's what we do. But I mean. You know, with, with every movie, they take like the two coolest days of your entire career, and that's what they make the movie. Uh, but that's that's what we do. So, uh, the U.S. Marshal Service uh, is the uh, action arm of the federal judiciary. Uh, we work for the executive branch, um, and what we do is we keep uh, judges safe. We arrest uh, fugitives, federal fugitives, on behalf of the federal courts. Uh, we bring them in front of the judge, and we get them through the judicial process. Uh, and part of that is if somebody is uh, talking about, you know, some other criminals, we can give them a new identity, the witness security program. Um, and then uh, another part of that is moving them all over the country, uh, which is Con Air, which is a real thing. And we actually call it Con Air, but the movie's not very realistic, but the, it, it is a real thing. Uh, and then, you know, when somebody's running um, from the federal government, we're the ones that find them. But as far as what I do, um, I mean, I'm, 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 I've promoted now, so really I just sit in my, my office and I sign things. <laughs> so all the all the all the guys and all the guys and gals uh, run around and do exciting things, and and I, I and and this is this is this is what I I do all day right here. Oh so, wow! Yeah, budgets uh, and is and, it loaded? Stuff. Yeah, right. So this is your day job, and your uh, your is it. I don't want to insult you by saying hobby because we don't write for hobbies. We write because we take it seriously. But do you, is is writing a is a, is it a side passion? Is it a I'm going to eventually retire one day and write full time? What does that look like for you? So uh, 
growing up, I, I, I was obsessed with reading. That's all I ever wanted to do. My dad loves to tell a story that uh, when I got in trouble, instead of grounding me, he'd take my books. Um, and that's, that's how he'd punish me. So I, I grew up obsessed with reading. And uh, when I was about 16, I read a book called The Lords of Discipline. And after I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the Citadel. So I went to the Citadel and I, I like tried to be Will McLean. I was a senior private. I like, I emulated this, this fictional character. Um, and then while I was at the Citadel, uh, I read, uh, we were soldiers. So then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to join the army. So I, I, I joined the infantry in the middle of a war, which was just not a wise decision, but anyway, so I joined the infantry. I, I did Iraq. Uh, I did all that stuff. Um, and then I, I read, uh, I read, uh, God, what's that name of that book? Um, it was it was a boxing book. I think it was called like Gladiator. Uh, so I read a boxing book, and then I got real into fighting, and I, I was a MMA fighter for a while. Uh, and then I read uh, uh, Elmore Leonard, and I read a bunch of uh, uh, Raylan Given stuff, Fire in the Hole, and then I became a U.S. Marshal. Um, so then I was like 35 years old, and I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm such a dumbass. All I do is I read these books, and then I do the thing in the book. But, but the, the, the core of all of it was I, I was like obsessed with these books. So then I was 35 and, and I, was, I was a U.S. Marshal and I had a career and I had all this stuff done. And then I was like, oh my gosh, the entire time was just the books. Um, so I was very intimidated. Uh, but I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try writing. Um, so I read every single possible uh, craft book I could get a hold of. Um, and, and I just read and read craft books and I just I just wrote and wrote and wrote for years and years and years short stories uh and then eventually a short story got published uh by a website called story and grit um which used to be run by by uh it's it's defunct now but it was it was Mark Westmoreland's old uh grit lit website who's been on your show oh yeah um so Mark was running this website and I got the story published it was my first story I was very excited um and then uh I got a story published by Mystery Tribune, uh, and that story I got paid for, and it was sandwiched between uh, um, Walter Mosley and then like Brendan Dubois, like these two huge authors, and then it was like me. And I was like, oh wow, you know, that's, it, it gave me like a real shot in the arm. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a novel. So I wrote a novel uh, and I finished the novel and I realized I was like, what, like 40? And I was like, oh, I, I was supposed to be a writer. So I had this like 25 years of, of, of violent careers because I'd read books about it. And then I realized, oh, I just wanted to be a writer the whole time. Um, so no, being a marshal is what I do. Uh, but uh, I guess being a writer is kind of, of who I am. Yeah. It just took about 35 years to realize it. Well, I'm glad you never read books about terrorists because I'd hate to see you end up on a U.S. post office poster. Can you, can you imagine? Or if, if I've been into cookbooks, you know. That was going to be my next joke, something about Julia Child. So of all those awards, uh, let's see, because you got, uh, you were a finalist for the Claymore Award. Tell me about that that particular award. Um, so there's a, a crime fiction conference in Nashville every year uh, called uh, Killer Nashville. And I was, uh, I fin I'd finished my first novel and I was, you know, querying, which is just miserable. And uh, I was talking to a guy and, and he recommended, uh, he said, oh yeah, you know, put him for this contest, whatever. I saw a lot of people put in for it and had success and I, I put in for it. I, I ended up being a finalist for it, but I didn't, uh, I didn't win. 
And then that was like, like right at the end of 2019. And I was like, oh, I'll put in and I'll go to it in 2020. And then, yeah, so time kind of stopped. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a crime fiction uh, unpublished novel award. It's not for unrepresented eight people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's agent and authors, any, anybody, any unpublished novel could put in. I mean, Stephen King could put in for it tomorrow. Here's a question that runs through my mind and it ran through my mind when I was reading your stories and um, it's, I'm, I'm part, um, this is part analysis, part question. What I like about short stories is the fact they're kind of like, um, they're like potato chips. You can, you can, you can snack on them and, and you get a kind of addicted to them and you really like them and you just keep snacking and keep snacking. The downside of that is, or, or the other side of that coin is, can you make a living writing short stories? Not that it's all about making money, but I mean, we all do need to, um, you know, pay for the groceries. So is your big plan to continue short stories uh, like uh, a compilation, like a therapeutic death, or is it, do you want to go back and, and try your hand again at that miserable querying, as you put it, uh, and, and snag a, uh, you know, full length manuscript novel. No, I, I, I'm, I'm done querying. I, I have an agent. Uh, so the, the, she's, uh, her name's Nikki Tripolowski with, uh, uh, Holloway literary. Um, she represents some great authors. Uh, Kimberly Beal is pretty big. Um, so yeah, I have an agent. Um, she's, she's doing edits on, on one of my novels and, and after the edits, uh, I'll, I'll do what she says and then, then we'll start submitting. So to, to answer the first part of your question, I, I, I don't think you could make a living as a short story artist uh, nowadays. Back back in the in the twenties and thirties, you could, um, but you know you, the the pay for short stories now is the same as it was in the twenties and thirties. Um, so you know, like like with a small market, you'll get like twenty five to fifty dollars. Uh, with a huge market, you might get a couple thousand. Um, no, you you really couldn't pull a living with that. Uh, but no, um, I enjoy, I love writing short stories and uh, I, I have another short story collection completed and just trying to decide what to do with it. But regarding novels, um, yeah, novels novels were my first love and uh, I, I have a couple novels completed and I have an agent. So hopefully um, she'll find a good home for, for the novels, fingers crossed. When I was researching you, John, I, I, I'm looking at this uh, former uh, military uh, soldier. I'm looking at... Uh, mixed martial arts and then i found out you write poetry and i'm like wow that he's he's got a sensitive side so of course i go right to the oh he writes poetry that's nice but then i then i come to find out that there's war poetry and comedy poetry and you know uh that's not an easy nut to crack so tell me how did you how did that come about in your life and what are you doing with that today so the, the war stuff is 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 like a cathartic uh, almost memoir kind of stuff. And the comedy stuff is really just my, my, my personality coming out stuff that makes me laugh. And it's funny. I've, I've been nominated for big awards in both categories. Uh, I got nominated for a push card in comedy and I got nominated for the Colonel Darren white war award in war, uh, which was, was neat. I don't know anybody else has done something like that, but the way that started was, uh, I I've always read a lot of poetry. Um, and I never tried to write it. Uh, then there was the website called The Daily Drunk that had a, a, a comedy poetry call, which was Fast and the Furious theme poetry. So I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I'm going to do this. So I, I wrote a, I wrote a, I think it was Fast and the Furious. I wrote a, it might have been, it might have been Taco Bell. 
I don't know. I, I had I had a, a series of haikus uh, called the Triple Gordita Crunch series, <laughs> and then I had uh, the uh, oh, it was called it's called Sangre Real, uh, the the real blood uh, about the 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 blood family of the Fast and the Furious series. So I wrote those I wrote those two poems for uh, for the Daily Drunk, and and they accepted them, and and I just had a blast. The 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 first war poetry book was published by a publisher. Um, but then the publisher and I had a pretty big falling out. Uh, so I pulled that, pulled that book and that book's un, unavailable right now. And then, uh, the comedy poetry got published by a press called, uh, Alien Buddha, which is <laughs> run by a guy named Red. He goes by just Red. I doubt Red knows I'm a U.S. Marshal for my day job. Shockingly, Red, that runs Alien Buddha Press, I, I, I think that he has hobbies that I probably don't have. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah. So red loves, red loves my stuff. Um, and red's a great guy. So red, if you're, if you're, if you're smoking weed and watching this podcast, I'm sorry, I'm a U.S. Marshal. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> my favorite poem is the, my favorite comedy poem. And it's a poem about how Bigfoot and Yeti are, uh, both two gay men and they're both very lonely. So they meet on uh grinder for mythical creatures and then they have a 90-day fiancé marriage so that uh, Yeti, who lives in China, can get a visa to move to Washington State with Bigfoot. Um, yeah. So, like, I was I was laughing my ass off when I wrote it. Uh, even saying it, it sounds insane. Um, so, yeah. Your so, your parents must be proud. I mean, and your wife. Yeah, there's, there's a – yeah. yeah. So let me let me ask you that. What is your what's that end goal? What's that big dream? What if if all of a sudden I could snap my fingers and make magic happen with this new uh, agent of yours, which I cannot pronounce her last name. Say it again for me. It's Terpolowski. Thank you. Nikki. Go by her Nikki. first name. Nikki. We'll That's go great. with Nikki. Nikki. Uh, if she she calls you on the phone today and says, hey, JB, you're not going to believe this. You just landed. <laughs> fill in the blank. Um. Big a, a big five three book deal uh, for uh, for a, a, a Harry Bosch style series. A f- big five oh, yeah. three book deal with a Harry Bosch type series. Boy, now th- see this is what I'm talking about, folks. This is dreaming with specificity because if you don't dream, if you don't like my dad used to say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So. I'm a big fan of if you're going to dream, dream big, go big, go home, right? I, I even know all the presses. Because I do a lot of review work, so the publicists are always emailing me. So I even know what presses would be would be a good fit. So fingers crossed. Why Bosch? And is your new book Bosch-esque? If, if I had to describe it, um, it would be if, if Joe Lansdale wrote Harry Bosch, it would be the best way to describe it. Who's um, Joe Lansdale? Uh, refresh my memory. He's a he's a a real real uh, big uh, crime fiction writer. He writes the the Happen Leonard series. Okay. Um, so he he writes uh, like a like they're they're entertaining, fast pace. I wouldn't go as far as saying Southern Gothic, but but Southern set East Texas uh, crime stories with with uh, his his two heroes. He writes a lot of horror, but I don't read horror. Um, Does so, it scare you and uh, keep you up late at night? Is that why you don't read it? It does. It really does. 
Wait a yeah. minute. You, you fought scared. in Iraq and you're afraid of horror dreams or maybe that therein lies the part of the equation. Get on my couch, would you? Let's talk about you this. Want, you, you want it? You want it? You want to hear a very specific, very funny story about that? I would love it, um, JB. So have you ever have you ever seen or read 1408 by Stephen King? No, I have not. I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. So it's a story where uh, a writer is is I can't remember the, the whole story, but in the in the movies, John Cusack. So he's a writer and he's trying to finish a book or something. I don't know. And he's he's in a hotel room, 1408. I did. And see the, the hotel movie. room is haunted. Yes. You did see the movie? Yes. Yeah. So he, keep going. He, he tries to escape. Yeah. So he tries to escape this hotel room. Can't escape the hotel room. Um. So I don't watch horror movies. I never liked horror movies. I get very scared. I'm watching 1408. Uh, I'm in Iraq and I'm at this uh, at this Ford operating base. We 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 done a couple of patrols. We stayed at a combat outpost and we'd come back to the Ford operating base uh, where you have like electricity and water and air conditioning. It's great. I'm in my containerized housing unit uh, watching 1408 and John Cusack's uh, crawling through the uh, the the air ducts trying to get kind of like John McClane style trying to get out of the hotel room and then right then there's a jump scare like a, a monster or something comes up and grabs him yeah and right when that monster came up and grabs him uh, uh incoming uh rocket came in and exploded probably like a hundred yards from me so I I threw my portable dvd this is like 2007 when he had portable dvd players i threw my portable dvd player and i grabbed my rifle and i i ran out to the bunker and then all the rockets started coming in and uh so i'm sitting there and i'm like like freaking frazzled and uh this one sergeant guy named cordova standing there and he's i think he was smoking cigarettes and he looks at me cap stevens why are you shaking he said fucked up man he goes you're 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 normally not such a, a wussy. You might not have said wussy. You're normally yeah. not such a wussy. What's going on? I said uh, I, I was watching uh, uh, a Stephen King movie, and and you know, it, it wasn't a good idea. You're watching a Stephen King movie alone at night in Iraq. I said yeah, Sergeant. I was watching a Stephen King movie alone at, at night in Iraq. It's pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> Okay. And ever since then, I haven't watched horror movies. Um, I, I read a, a, a couple semi-horror books lately. Uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Pala, Palau's, her last name's hard for me, uh, The Children of Chicago. And I read uh, John Horner Jacobs' A Lush and Seething Hell. And they're both great. Um, and I enjoy them, but like, I couldn't sleep for days. I think I just heard about uh, uh, Children of Chicago. It's being made into, uh, is it Netflix that's picking it up, turning it into a series or... I don't know. I, I thought I heard something about that, but I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about the, the books and TV stuff. I don't know anything about that stuff. Well, if you're going to do, uh, if you're going to get a big five, three book deal in the Bosch kind of world, then you better study it up puppy because uh, movies and book, I mean, movies and TV shows where it's at. I a hundred percent agree, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, I'm a writer and I, I, I know about writing and I try to, I try to focus on writing and, and all those other things are amazing, but you know, I, 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 you know, I have the one goal. I, I've seen these people that get so caught up with, I want to do this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, they never are just working towards their, their main thing. Um, so God, any of those things would be amazing if they happened. That's but I'm not really, even thinking about them. 
That's actually a very good piece, a very insightful piece of wisdom. And uh, I used to be one of those guys that I would like, I'm going to have like five things going at once. Oh, I, I, yeah, I can multitask. I can master all five. And you know, at the end of the day, new study says that you really can't. You're, you're really good for about one or two things at a time. So that's actually some wisdom you've got there, young man. Thank you. Yeah, that, I have a lot of buddies that, I mean, you run a podcast, like oh, I'm going to do a podcast about writing. And I'm like, I, that's a good idea, but running a podcast is a very different skill than being a writer. And you're going to spend time learning all the parts of editing and sound and all of these things. You're going to have to spend time learning those. And that's time you're not spending writing. So it, it's, it's a commitment. It's not just something you can jump into. And I, I think, you know, writing for TV, writing for movies, trying to get TV deals, trying to get any of those things are all very valid goals and, 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 and things to pursue, but all of them take time. And, uh, it's just it's got to be time that you're willing to sacrifice. Yeah, and I got I got two points to make on that. Number one is this uh, podcasting is if you're going to do it right, you have to give it plenty of time. This is a full part time job, and you got to you you know I fortunately have the passion for it, and I, I just love what I do, mm-hmm. and it has been kind of my background for most of my career. But uh, you, you bring up a very good point, and it's funny you should say this because I was just talking to my wife this week about this very thing, and I've been double booking since I started the show last June, double booking, sometimes triple booking, and you know, by the time you read, uh, not to get on your couch, but by the time you read a book and research it and then book it and get the guest and then record it and then cut it, I mean, it's, I think I did the math one day, it's nearly 40 hours a week, so to that point, you know, that's why I'm kind of shifting come March to one episode a week, always going to be on Thursdays, always record on Mondays because I'm a writer. I mean, I love to write and I'm, I'm going to be, you got to be true to that. And here's my second point. And and you bring up a really excellent point is that I don't know that I would necessarily say JB to focus on writing for movie or TV. The key is what you're doing is focus on the story first and the people in the business, Hollywood business will come to you and buy those rights for that. So you don't have to worry about writing for movie or TV. We'll we'll, we'll see. Maybe one day. Um, I mean, looking at your, 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 your presentation and the tone of your voice, uh, and how practiced you are, your microphone setup, your editing skills. I mean, all the amount of time invested in learning that, it's got to be massive. Like, you're so good at what you do. And these people that think they can just jump in and start start podcasting, it almost feels disrespectful to the good podcaster. <laughs> because, I mean, you're really, really good. And, and I don't think I could be anywhere near as good as you without a massive time and financial investment. Uh, and to assume different feels feels disrespectful. So well, your, 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 your specific podcasting is impressive. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm very humbled by that. Uh, and JB, all truth. I mean, I, at 15 years old, I wanted to be in radio. 15. And I had my first job shortly thereafter. So I've been at this a long time. And you do have to, you know, you got to make some investments for the equipment to, if you want to shine, if you just want, look, I did a podcast a few years back where I pulled out uh, a very inexpensive microphone uh, and and uh, it was a two-sided microphone and my wife and I poured a couple of cocktails and lit it up. And it sounded like that. 
And you can do that. And there are a lot of people out there doing that. They're picking up a, you know, a USB 2995 microphone and sitting around going, you know, and just talking. And that's great. However, if you want to compete and get sponsors and really, really fine tune it, because even the video portion of this, now that I'm telling you all my secrets, if it goes on YouTube, I want it to feel as close to being a TV show out Minus the fact that they're compressing the hell out of it, but I want it to you. I want it to feel like a TV show of some sort. So it takes time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I, I can't even imagine um, the the editing. It it just seems so. And like you said, I you know I do a lot of reviews. Uh, so I, I read I read a lot of other people's stuff, but that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I just read and then I write about it. So it's not a big stretch for me. But for you to to read it and then absorb it be absorb it be able to read talk about it that's uh that's crazy you know i have an idea for you on that it would be a huge time saver if you focused on some really good short story authors because then you could read like eight thousand words and have a great feel for it and be ready to go <laughs> well thanks to you jb i've got a couple of those cats coming on the show uh let's see who have we got here we've got to ashley irwin who's coming up next week and we've got your pal uh, bobby matthews rolling in on uh yeah, the first, the last week of the month. So, look yeah, at that. They're, they're both big personalities. And Mark Westmoreland and I were chatting. We've become kind of uh, texting pals, and he he has mighty nice things to say about you and and Ashley and Bobby. And uh, it's it's really cool. I'm going to circle back to this statement that uh, I love the fact that this community is so supportive of one another. And it, you know, the business I came from, it's all cutthroat. And you would do anything you could to step on this guy to get to the next position. But in in writing and in, in the publishing world, uh, I find the absolute opposite and nothing but kind, gracious, giving people. I mean, you see it on the show all the time. I th I think it's because you know readers they they they're buying more than one book, so there's it's not like you're all competing for one one part uh, as a writer. So it's it there's no reason not to to help other people out um it's it's there's it's all positive because helping people helps helps yourself and, and there's no reason not to uh so yeah all these all these big time authors are super eager to help out uh lower level authors sa sean cosby super super kind um and i mean i know there's nothing in it for them there's really nothing i can do for these people uh they're just doing it to be nice so but i mean readers buy a lot of books so if a reader likes you know Mark, Mark Westmoreland stuff or, or S.A. Cosby stuff, there's a reasonable chance that they'll like my stuff. So yeah. uh, helping each other out, it, it only makes sense. Yeah. So not, not to stay on the level of Cosby. That guy's so, so dang good. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people like certain things, if they like, if they like, you know, uh, Rip Rollins, there's a good chance to like Mark Cameron. And if they like Mark Westmoreland, there's a good chance to like Bart Stevens, uh, so on and so forth. Well, before we start wrapping it up and get into rapid fire questions, which I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with you on this, I want to say two things. First of all, thank you for your service. I meant to shoot out of the gate by saying that. So thank you so much for that. And uh, I, I wanted to know how you got the bronze star. And the second thing I wanted oh. to know is, uh, do you still practice mixed martial arts? So I know that's a little bit of a, I packed it all in there one, but thank you. How'd you get the star? And we'll talk about martial arts before we move on. The Bronze Star is, it's not for valor, it's for service. We, we were out on a checkpoint, uh, checkpoint 20 on route Tampa near Sodder City. And I was uh, 
bringing food to people on a PLS because I was an executive officer. I was like unloading food and then mortar started coming in and exploding next to PLS. So I dove in the PLS and then we we started looking and we saw the guy that was shooting the mortar. So we started shooting at him. It, it slowed down a little bit. And then I look over and like I said, I was bringing food. So uh, the way I got food was I went to this chow hall on this Ford operating base and I got a bunch of food and put it in a truck and I brought it to my soldiers. Well, I brought a, uh, a sergeant from the, the chow hall to come do food service. So I'm like, I'm in this gunfight and I'm like shooting at these guys. And there's this sergeant that's literally a cook next to me, just screaming, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So we, we finish up the thing and uh, say, fuck you, I'm a fucking cook. You made me get in a fucking gunfight. We get back to the, the, the forward operating base and everything's wrapping up and I'm dropping off the empty food containers. And he goes, hey, hey, sir, uh, uh, you can put me in for an action badge, right? It was like you were yelling at me to go fuck myself the entire time. <laughs> and you want me to put you in for an award? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be the only cook that's got a combat action badge. So now he's like, the, I'm sure he's like the tough guy with all the cooks. Sure. Talking about when he, when he was in the shit. Yeah, that was that was how I got my CIB. Uh, but the Bronze Star is for service. It's, uh, it, sounds, it sounds cooler than it is. Then uh, mixed martial arts. So I, I was still doing mixed martial arts after... I was, I was very into mixed martial arts, uh, and that evolved into be getting real into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is like submission wrestling, uh, which is, you know, like choking people and, and breaking their arms and legs, uh, but not as much punching and kicking. Just sounds um, like good fun for everybody. Go ahead. It is. It's, it's a good time. Uh, <laughs> so I was very into that for a very long time um, until my daughter was born. And then between the day job, uh, having a family, writing, and, and mixed martial arts, uh, something had to give it's on my list of priorities. It's lower than the other things. So that's where we got are. It. All right. Well, as we start to wrap it up, cause I know you've, you got your day job, you got phones ringing, you got people coming in wanting to clean your guns and so forth. Uh, I wanted to hit us up with a couple of rapid fire questions. One of them is going to be a layup. One of them is going to be a real thought provoker. And then one's going to be, we're going to see what you're made of. Let's start off with, uh, what are you reading right now that is blowing your mind? So I'm doing this on my, my phone, right? So here, here's my little phone stand. And so that the height's right. Here's what's holding up my phone stand. Flannery O'Connor. So, what's what's the book? I can't read the title. Uh, the Complete Story. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that's that's, yeah, the, so, that's what so you're reading. Yeah, reading yeah, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, she's, she's, she's so good. She's one of those writers that's so good it makes you question yourself. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. that's a good point. Do you ever... I find that with so many uh, uh, writers that I'm reading these days, and I'm like, wow, there there are moments where I go, what am I even thinking about? Why do I even get into that ring? But then again, there are people, you know, there's a there's a sandwich for every taste, right? You 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 and I, we can be the five dollar footlongs, and she can be the prime rib at you know the palm. Yeah, so, but but we're still in the sandwich shop. This last one stems from a conversation my wife and I had over the weekend. Uh, you're, you awake in the middle of the night and your house is engulfed in flames. Now, the good news is your wife, daughter, and Yorkie are with friends or family. The bad news is the fire is moving fast and you have to get the hell out. The, you, you've only got seconds. What's the one thing you're going to reach for as you escape the blaze? So in the spirit of the question, I assume, you know, all my, I, I have like my documents in a full, all of those things are safe. This is, this is one non-critical thing that I'm reaching for, correct? That is correct, sir. Either my, my, my great grandpa's World War II war medals 
or my Citadel graduation ring. One of those two things. Okay. See, reason I ask questions like this, I just like to get inside the mind of the creator because uh, uh, it's just it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It makes for a great conversation, and you did not let me down. Very nicely done. Thank you. And and the reason the Citadel ring is is if you've ever read the Lords of Discipline, it's built up to such an amazing uh, a level in that in that story that when I finally got it, it was like it was it was so overwhelming for me. So. Yeah, it goes back to Pat Conroy, and it goes back to books. It all sure. goes back to books. Yep, it's all about books. Boy, Pat Conroy. Well, folks, you can learn more about JB at jb-stevens.com, and you can follow him like I do on Twitter at I am JB Stevens. It'll all be here on the screen. And, uh, John, JB, thank you so much for the time. It's It's been a hoot. Thank you, and uh, and I, I appreciate you having me on. And like I said, your your, your podcast is so professional. Uh, when you accepted me after all these other huge authors, it was it was an honor. Thank you. Well, listen, we're all in this together. We're all just trying to live our dream. And any way I can help you, uh, I I know you'll help me. We're just in this together. So uh, you uh, get out there and ke- I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you with Nikki. You and Nikki are going to make this thing happen. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully 2023, you'll hear about some big J.B. Stevens book coming out. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Thank you again, right. J.B. Thanks, David. JB's a nice guy, right? That was fun. Okay, now on next Thursday's Thriller Zone, I have the supreme pleasure of welcoming the one and only Bob Lee Swagger. Okay, not actually Bob Lee, but his creator, the legendary New York Times bestselling author and Pulitzer Prize winning Stephen Hunter. Plus, you'll also hear Stephen's powerful six key words for creating a successful writing career. It's a don't miss podcast. That's it for now. So thank you once again for taking time from your busy life to listen to this show. It's because of listeners like you who make the gig so much fun. And say, if you have a spare minute, stop by thethrillerzone.com and leave a review or just say hi. And actually, if you're listening inside, say, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a review right there. Five stars would be super kind. Alrighty then, I'm David Temple, and it's time for me to go, but I'll see you next time right here on The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.